Welcome to my podcast. My name is Jamin Gerker. I'm a realtor in South Central Alaska, and my mission is to help people build intentional and significant legacies for themselves and their families by coaching them in real estate. Today, I'm very happy to be joined by uh, by a colleague in the real estate industry, um, Melissa West with First Rate Financial, and she's going to be talking about what's going on in the um, in the interest rate sphere and try to give us a little bit more clarity about what's going on there because I think there's um, a lot of crazy news and a lot of a uh, lot of headlines that are really designed to scare a lot of people. And so really the point we want to do today, really what we're trying to accomplish is to give some clarity on what's going on so you can make the best decisions that you possibly can. Um, before we get started real quick, just some some quick housekeeping stuff. You know, as we've said a million times before, these live streams are only as good as the questions in the comment section for the so for those of you who are are um, out there and you do have questions, certainly feel free to uh, drop any question you have in the comments section. If you're thinking it, I guarantee you somebody else is is wondering as well. But Melissa, I've already said quite a bit. So welcome. (laughs) Hi, thanks, Jamin, for having me. (laughs) Well, thanks for being here. So let's go ahead and just talk real quick about what your Alaska story is as people are getting into the live into the live stream in the chat here. So what brought you to Alaska? Well, um, I was born here. So I was born here in Anchorage um, at Elmendorf Air Force Base. Um, folks are from Ohio and they were brought up by the military. Um, so I was raised here in Anchorage um, and lived here all my life. Um yeah, I've owned a couple of properties here here in Anchorage as well. So um, I'm a lo- local gal that owns also. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. You know, you don't meet a whole lot of people that can say they've actually lived up here for really anything over over like five, 10 years. That's considered an old timer. <laughs> yeah, we're kind of rare. There's a lot mostly mostly transplants. Um, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a true Alaska girl. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. All right, so let's let's go ahead and just jump right into it then. So question number one is what is happening with interest rates? This is like the million dollar question that <laughs> everybody is just kind of throwing around. So right. Yeah. yeah, I know everybody's got an opinion on what's going to happen happen. There's a lot of speculation. I can just tell you what the facts are. And the facts are that uh, the enemy of mortgage interest rates going up is inflation. And we are in a severely inflated market right now. Um, and especially when, when you look at how this is compared to the years 2020 and 2021, when interest rates were at historic lows. Um, you know, the, the federal government is doing what they can to fight inflation by raising the federal interest rate. But that, that has nothing to do with mortgage interest rates. Um, there's a direct correlation of the bond market and mortgage interest rates. And so when the bond market does poorly, interest rates go up. And what causes the bond market to do poorly is, is uh, rampant inflation. <laughs> so what, what is the bond market? Um, these are federally backed securities. Um, they're long-term they're considered very secure and safe. Um, they're kind of the the opposite of the stock market. You know, you don't have as much risk involved in in those. Um, and so, 
when you have a secure a secure security like like a bond um and you have the the value of money going down you don't want to invest in that because you're the value of your dollar is not going to be the same tomorrow as it is today and so you people tend to move towards you know more riskier options and so that's what's been happening all 2022 um, you know, it's kind of day to day what what interest rates are going to look like. You know, there are some things that are out of our hands that we can't really, you know, predict as far as, um, you know, what's going to happen with inflation, like wars and, you know, things like that. You know, the war in Ukraine was not something anybody could have foreseen. And that had a huge impact on oil prices and, you know, bumped up, you know, inflation ticked up really quick when that happened. So. Yeah, that's 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 the that's the enemy <laughs> that we've got going on right now is uh, rampant inflation. So would you expect moving forward to see interest rates um, to continue going up? Um, I mean, if I had a crystal ball, um, boy, I mean, all theories here. All, all theories. theories. So. <laughs> Um, I, I, th I think that they will go down eventually um, because I think the Fed is doing what they are supposed to, um, which is raising that interest rate, scooping money out of the economy. It's going to reduce, you know, as much um, the like it's going to reduce what people are spending uh, right now. Um, and so I think eventually it will have an impact on on bringing interest rates back down. But when that's going to happen, I don't know. I, I mean, yeah. I, so I, we, I wish I could tell you, like, uh, <laughs> that would be, wouldn't that be the thing? <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. So for uh, the people out there that, you know, are thinking they might just wait till they have uh, the sweet two and a half, three percent interest rates that we had back in, you know, 20, 2020, 2021, uh, what would be your response to them? I mean, those were just outlandish lows. Um, it's never We've never seen anything like that. I, I doubt something like that would happen again. I mean, we had to have the entire, you know, um, world economy shut down, right, <laughs> to, to make that happen. So um, I don't see that as something that's probable. Um, you know, I mean, if you look at mortgage interest rates historically, two and three is just not um it's not in the you know it's it doesn't happen um you know i've when i first bought a house 20 years ago almost 20 years ago my interest rate was seven percent a little over seven percent and i didn't think anything of it i didn't know that that was not good or you know anything but um i guess perspective is really key here <laughs> yeah and i i think unfortunately we've kind of gotten spoiled the past couple of years and thinking yeah. that two and a half three percent was normal normal it's, yeah a lot it, of people think it's normal yeah and it, it just wasn't it never yeah mm -mm. yeah no i mean that's that was i mean possibly a once in a lifetime kind of an interest rate because we had to have so many factors line up perfectly to make it happen uh -huh. but i mean to the people that are are thinking well we'll just wait until interest rates drop again it's like well i guarantee you're gonna be waiting you, a long time <laughs> you're gonna be waiting a long time you're yeah. probably gonna give away a lot of appreciation right but, you know also once the interest rates go down it's gonna be a crazy buying frenzy all over again and exactly. you're probably gonna 
you're probably going to go, well, I'll wait till the prices come down. It's like, well, you can <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause you got to think, you know, the, the buy-in frenzy that we had in the last couple of years was, was nuts. I mean, because anybody could, could get out there and get qualified because those interest rates were so low. Um, you know, I mean, I saw, you saw it in 2021, the, all those offers made everywhere and, 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 um, people offering 50, 60 K over asking was nuts, you know? So like, you can't have your cake and eat it too, right? You're going to have a problem <laughs> once interest rates go, if they, if they were to somehow go back down that low, there would be a feeding frenzy out there again. Absolutely. Oh, it would probably be worse. Honestly, because so right now, like we're starting at such a lower mm -hmm. volume. Yeah, we have had a supply an issue and yeah, it's ongoing and that supply issue has not been fixed. So if you were to drop interest rates down to 2% again, twofold. Yeah, I, I think so. You know, you're 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 married to the to the house, right? The purchase price in the house. That's the thing that's forever. Your interest rate is not. That's something that you date. You can always refinance when they go back down. But that that price in that house that you you find today, and the equity that you get, like, I think that's invaluable. Yep, absolutely. So let's, let me go ahead and share a graph that you sent over here. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a little warning for some of you who aren't really numbers inclined. <laughs> um, this, oh, next little bit's, yes. this next little bit's gonna be a little rough for you. So I'm just preparing <laughs> you, but th this is gonna be good for you. You'll thank me on the other side. So let's. <laughs> Let's go ahead and take a look at this real quick and I'll let you kind of explain what it is that we're seeing. All right. So this is the um, just a, a graph of, of, of mortgage interest rates versus inflation. Um, inflation, I believe, is the red there. And then the interest rate uh, percentage is in the blue. And you can see kind of how every time it, the... Um, inflation pop, pops up that the interest rate kind of follows suit right right afterwards um and so it's i mean the data is there that it's it is a direct result one of them causes the other <laughs> completely right man that was uh that was a really dramatic drop that we had around 2008 2009 mm -hmm. and i mean we kind of see a gradual gradual easing, gradual coming down, yeah. but yeah, it's, yeah, um, there was a bunch of bailouts and things I think that, that happened there. And so that's why things didn't go too, too awful. Um, you know, I mean the, all the good, the monies that was spent by the federal government during the COVID years, that's the, that's part of the inflation we're seeing now. Is know? that, is that kind of what the Delta is? Kind of talking about those those bailouts because those spike up right during this time too. Correct. Yeah. Okay. That that makes sense. And I see the the delta is coming way down. Obviously, infl inflation rate is really increasing here. Yeah, you can see it just it's spiking up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, how long does it usually take? Is it like a, like an instantaneous kind of a thing where we see a, a big spike and see a big spike in the interest rates or is it kind of a lead and lag indicator kind of a thing? Um, there's a, I think there's a small lag, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's not instant instantaneously like moment to moment, but you know, every time 
um, every time there's an announcement by the Fed about job security or, um, you know, uh, um, inflation rates on if they're increasing or decreasing, there's a direct result in the bond market that day. I'll tell you that <laughs> every time there's an announcement, we see we see interest rates, uh, of, you know, be affected immediately. Mm -hmm. yeah, Whether it's well, good news or bad news. Oh, I can see that. Man, that is a uh, yeah, that is some crazy inflation. Yeah, I mean, look at that. that back in the in the early '80s. I mean, they were in the double digits. You know, so yeah, when you think about weird. it, six percent's like, eh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not well, so bad. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's that's really what I like about these graphs here is just to show people, hey, um, yeah. Perspective you know, is huge. <laughs> yeah, the, the perspective is huge. Like I actually saw a graph a little while ago where um, they were really breaking down, okay, adjusted for inflation. Let's take a look yeah. here at once you, uh, you know, adjust for these, um, these high interest rates and they had lower prices back then, but higher interest rates. And now we have higher prices and lower interest rates, much mm -hmm. lower than what we used to have. There's only... Once adjusted for inflation, there's only about a $50 difference between owning a house back then and owning a house now. Right. But I mean, that, um, yeah, that, uh, that doesn't, that doesn't really sell a whole lot of newspapers or get a lot of clicks. Just saying, <laughs> exactly. Hey, yeah. We're about where we were. Yeah. It's uh -huh. just not as exciting. There's a lot of inflammatory news going on about things and why you, you know, trying to scare people and, um, why you shouldn't, why you shouldn't buy. And, you know, I, I just think that, you know, you need a place to live. Why not, um, have something that you're going to keep forever and, and you'll get equity out on the other end, you know? Yep. I don't know. Absolutely. So we've got a question real quick from Mr. Steve. Let me pull this up here. So kind of talking a little bit about advantages and disadvantages of financing with a local independent lender versus a large national lender versus a broker. So um, I'll go ahead and answer that a little bit on my side and I'll let Melissa sure. go ahead and jump into it as well. When it is a lender that the, the listing agent is more likely to recognize because that lender is involved in the community and you know, they've, uh, they've got roots down here. These are people we live with every day. It looks way better if you're coming in. Um, it's, I mean, uh, it, there's a lot more credibility there because that local lender is going to be a known quantity. Whereas if you have a, a large bank, a large lender, a large brokerage that are out of state, it's, it's kind of a big question mark for a lot of people because it's becomes very bureaucratic and I just can't guarantee how things are going to go. So if I'm looking at it, talking with my seller, it's like, I've never worked with this enormous out of state lender. They could be great. Um, I know for sure this local lender has a, has a great reputation though. And we've got, you know, they've take good care of their people and they've got a competitive interest rate and all that good stuff. So that's that's yeah. just kind of from the trenches, my perspective. But I'll let Melissa jump in here. Sure. I mean, truly, you know that that is a a, a factor for for listing agents. Absolutely to. 
to pick to picking your offer for sure. But another another great thing about someone local is, you know, we've got skin in the game, right? We don't have rocket mortgage Super Bowl ad money, right? We, we every deal matters to us because that's our name and our reputation out there in the town. You know, that's these are our people. We live here too, right? Um, and so for us, it's a big it's a big deal if we if we lose you know, the business or we don't do our job correctly or something like that versus a local or a, a big national lender for them. It's just next. Who's the next one? They don't care. You know, there's no care there. Um, they're not here. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I've, I've taken some, some deals over from, from big national lenders. And, um, one of the biggest complaints is you can't get a hold of anybody, you know, um, I'm on the Alaska time zone because I'm here, <laughs> right? You can call me. Um, I answer the phone too. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, I don't put you through a, a press press digits and find you know to speak to human kind of a thing. Um, yeah, well, there's that, but then also some of these large corporations and um, companies they may or may not know how things work in Alaska. Exactly. And so yeah. a lot of these listing agents, they're like, oh, yeah, they, they for some reason, think yeah. this requirement is really important. So that's going to be an extra hoop we have to jump through. They don't understand how to read a, a well report. Right. Um, yeah. We'll ask for things like termite reports. And you're like, we don't have those here. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of like the same thing. If I'm going down to Florida, then I'm going to be working with like a lender down in Florida Someone because in Florida. yeah yeah they they understand how the market goes there and mm -hmm. I every intention of writing their reputation yeah. yeah we're a unique market up here we have a lot of really interesting like really cool stuff you know that maybe people are not used to in other places and other lenders will not understand why you can't put a driveway in in the middle of January right you know <laughs> like they, they won't get it <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or you know why it's uh, why it's difficult to go and install a, a brand new septic tank in Leechfield in the winter, which mm -hmm. we're having to do that right now. Not pleasant, but you know, yeah. it is doable. Not pleasant though. <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. So let's let's jump over here to this question then. What will impact interest rates moving forward? And it sounds like before it's really that that bond market. Um, are there are is there really any other variable that plays into it or is it really just like a one for one? That is, that is kind of it. It's a direct inverse correlation between bond market prices and mortgage interest rates. Bond market prices go down, interest rates go up. That's, gotcha. It's a, it's yeah, it's direct correlation. That is, that is completely what they base the rates on. Gotcha. And that was the, Bond market, is that connected at all to the stock market? Like if the bottom falls out of the stock market, does that impact the bond market as well? No, I mean, you know, it's it's just like any security that, you know, there's investors that are investing based on whatever they feel, you know, within the market. And, you know, that might have some sort of effect on how investors feel about things, um, which could then impact bond, you know, the bond market. Um, you know, the other, the other thing to think about is, um, it just, is it, it also depends on, uh, what loan program you're in, you know, interest rate, there is no like one interest rate, you know, there are more secure government backed, um, 
loan programs and then there's you know conventional products as well and, and all kinds of varying degrees of things within there so um, more secure um, government loans tend to have slightly better interest rates those are va usda and fha and that's because they're backed by um, those those entities so it's more secure yep absolutely okay so um Here's the thing that I'm sure everyone is probably thinking about and what can people do to increase their buying power? I mean, that's, I mean, that, that can be a little frustrating right now. If you're looking, you're seeing interest rates going up, you're feeling your buying power kind of slip away from you, but mm -hmm. what can people do right now? That's going to, that's going to put them in the best position to win. Best thing you can do is get with your local lender or broker and apply for a, for a loan. Get started on that process. Work on your work on a pre-approval as soon as possible. Even if you're not ready to buy yet, because what that does is it at least starts us off with a picture of where you are and where you want to be and what it's going to take to get you there. If you wait until you find your house that you want, well, I mean, it's far too late then to make a, you know, a six month plan for you to pay off these debts and increase your, your FICO score or something like that. So the best thing you can really do is go and apply, work on a pre-approval early. Then you can start with, you know, with goal setting and um, figuring out what it is that you exactly want and how we can help you get there. Um, you know, because I mean, there's some pretty basic things that go into increasing your your buying power. Number one is have make more money, you know, more income <laughs> means you can buy more house. Right. Another one is less debt. You know, you there are there are thresholds that you are allowed to go to with respect to debt to income, um, you know, depending on the loan program you're with. But if you have less debt, that means you can usually buy more house. Um you can put more cash down. That is another way you can definitely, you know, get a higher purchase price if you put a little bit more money down. Um, and then also increasing your FICO score. Um, when you have a what's higher, a, sorry, what's the FICO score? Oh, your credit score. <laughs> Everyone's favorite thing. Um, <laughs> Um, increasing your FICO score just opens up more opportunity um, for different loan programs. Um, when you have a lower score, you're kind of more limited to what you can and can't do. Um, and so, I mean, it's not astronomically different, but it it can make a difference if you have a better credit score. So getting pre-approved, you know, having a mortgage broker take a look at your stuff. We can look at your credit report and look at your FICO and um, give you some pointers and tips on how we can make that better. You know, um, it's it's kind of amazing what you can do once you have a, a plan in place. Um, I've seen some pretty incredible things with 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 helping people with just just those basic things, you know, helping them with get their credit score up. Um, we paid off some debt things and wow, they were in the position to buy the home they wanted, you know, in a short amount of time. So it can be done, but you got to be prepared. Because <laughs> if, you, if you, yeah, if you get out there and find that house you want and you haven't done the pre-approval yet, and I don't know, that house might just not be, it's, it's gone, you know, it's gone by that time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're, unfortunately, you're probably just going to see that house sail away if it pops up and you're not already ready to go. <laughs> Correct. So what is, hmm, let's do this, just how dramatically does a credit score 
impact what you can qualify for in a house. Like, let's say I'm rolling in with a, with a 600 credit score and there's somebody who has like a 750 credit score. Like how, how big of a difference, um, all things even, do you think that would probably make? Um, well, the person with the 600 credit score would be limited on which loan programs they would qualify for, um, depending on what they had going on. If they were a veteran, we would, that would, you know, a VA loan would, they would qualify for that. If not, um, then you're, you're more looking in like an FHA program and those have, um, slightly different debt to income thresholds that you have to meet. Um, there, you also have to, uh, meet, uh, an automated underwriting system. You, when you have a lower credit score, your approval within that system with Fannie and Freddie is often a little bit lower. And so you, your threshold is even lower on what you can go up to versus somebody with a 750. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if I could put a dollar amount on exactly how much more, but you can go a lot higher, right? You're, you're definitely looking at, you have more options, you have more loan programs that you can get into more conventional products. Um, and, and definitely your automated underwriting threshold will be higher because you have that better credit score. So, you know, it's hard to say a dollar amount, but I mean, it could be the difference between, you know, the the house of your dreams, it's $50,000 more versus, you know, one that you could just kind of like, <laughs> right? Gotcha. Okay. Well, I mean that, that certainly does make sense then. Mm-hmm. And let's, um, let's go and do this real quick. So I think we did a little chart here before where we were talking about um, kind of running somebody, a um, hypothetical person through them, through the lending process here. Um, was that the, yeah, I think it was the process. Yeah. Okay. Let me pull this one up real quick. So for those of you that are uh, wanting to jump into it, this little graph or chart that we're going to be showing here, here is just kind of a breakdown for um, what you can expect be paying and uh, when you're going to purchase a home. So uh, Melissa, you go ahead and kind of break this down a little bit and help us to, to make sense of it. Um, uh, well, this is just a snippet of, of, a, of a cost estimate, a closing cost estimate. This is the buyer's side. Um, the things that I wanted to point out um, that, that people don't often notice are the things that are highlighted there. So um, the, the yellow ones there, the processing fee, underwriting fee, doc prep fee, um, those are not uh, real fees, if you will. Those are lender fees. The rest of these are all third-party fees that are associated with the transaction. So, you know, with the transaction, you're going to pay for an appraisal, right? Obviously, you know, that goes to the appraiser. Your credit report's pulled, that gets paid to the bureau. Um you know, you have title fees and tax fees and things like that that are definitely associated with the transaction. But the rest of those, those those four that I have highlighted there, those are for the lender. You know, those are their fees. And why they break them out like this, I don't know. This is not something that I do um, or that first rate does at all. Um, and I think it's kind of a way to um, 
to hide some fees, <laughs> if, you, if you will, and make them look like transaction fees, but they're not. Um, those are just going to be paying for your rate. So the blue one I have highlighted is the discount points. And what these are is, um, you know, you can get whatever rate you want, right? You just have to pay for it. That's the case with all lenders. Um, you can you just have to uh, pay an upfront fee to the lender to get a lower rate. Um, so discount points is their way of say, say, stating that you're paying for the rate, um, you know, to be lower than what it was. So watch out for that when you when you get your cost estimates from from other from other lenders look for those things that i highlighted and add them all up because that's truly what it is that you're paying for for your rate yeah and they might be they might be mislabeled they might do some rebranding and call it something different but yeah i've seen a lot of different things that's just one i pulled from a recent um estimate that i got from a different lender and yeah they can they can be so expensive. I've seen some outlandish things on there charging thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. And I don't think people would have known, you know, why would you why would you know that that's what it is you're paying for? You know? Yeah. Like I, I remember and I bought a property back in back in 2020 that I did have the opportunity to get an interest rate locked in at like a 2.2. But it was going to be like ten fifteen thousand dollars worth yeah. of discount points so it's like right. it's going to take me about 15 years for this to even make a difference so exactly you need to look at your recoup you know timeline how how much is that saving you a month and how long is it going to take you to recoup what you've spent up front you know you don't want a time a recoup timeline of like I, I wouldn't, I don't even recommend it for more than two or three years, you know, because chances are you'll be able to refinance or, you know, will you be in that house that long? You know, like there's a lot of things to think about and if you're going to sell or, you know, maybe upgrade. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that you don't want to be paying this big fat fee. And then it, yeah. And it takes you 15 years to recoup for the savings you made. Like that's outlandish. Um, so truly be very aware of, of not just what interest rate the lender says they can give you. What does that interest rate cost you? That's what you want to know. Yeah, I mean, it's it gets so the issue that I see a lot of people run into when they're looking at uh, getting a loan is everyone. I mean, myself included, just kind of gets fixated just on the interest rate. Mm -hmm. and, I mean, just kind of at the at the expense of everything else, and that's that's really where things can start <clears throat> going sideways on you real quick. Because yeah. um, there are some predatory lenders out there that are aware of that. Yes, <clears throat> they're going to feed into it. They're going to say exactly what you need to hear, what you want mm -hmm. to hear, and they're not going to educate you on okay, so it's lower interest rate, but but you're paying for it. <laughs> you're paying for it and you're paying right? a lot more than if you just went this exactly. route. Exactly. Yeah. I, th I, I mean, I, we don't, like I said, we don't personally do anything like that. We don't have those kinds of fees. Um, um, but I know that a lot of places do, and I don't, I don't, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus here, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a, th a, a thing that needs to be looked further at, you know, you need to um, take a look at what it is that they're actually selling you. Right. Because, you know, it may look real shiny and pretty, but 
what's what's in the fine print you know <laughs> yeah i've um <clears throat> i've seen the ads and it's like yeah someone's probably gonna have a class action lawsuit brought against them eventually <laughs> all right let's get to the comment section real quick so from the hot shot oh one if relevant to this topic on the thought of doing renovations right after buying a house are renovation loans similar to house loans are interest rates similar um compare differences and strategies right after buying a house hmm um do you, are you meaning like a like doing some repairs before you buy like a like a rehab loan or is that do you think sorry my cat's me <laughs> um <laughs> that's your cat like i thought yeah. it was a thought it was a child no it's my kitty oh no i think he's gonna throw oh, but um Um, so I, I, I don't, I don't really know exactly what kind of loan program he's talking about. Like, are we talking about like pulling out some equity, like a HELOC or something and doing some things or. Well, let's, let's do this. So what is kind of the big difference between a, a renovation loan and then like most other loan types that are out there? Cause I, I think there's a lot of, a lot of confusion around those because, mm -hmm. I know a lot of people, they see um, uh, see properties that are definitely going to need some work and they're like, oh, this is automatically a deal. And it's like, mm, not necessarily, you know, mm. just based on all the actual numbers. So first off, can you kind of explain um, how a renovation loan works? So rehab loans or renovation loans um, are like a two, there are two or three K is one of them by that's done by FHA. Um, these are... These are long loans. They take a lot of time. Um, they tend to be very difficult. Um, the way they work is the loan is not funded until the work is complete. So, and it can't be work. The work cannot be done by you or somebody you know, your brother. It's it's going to be a contractor that the lender chooses, you know, or they'll give you like contractors that they that they will allow to do the work that needs to be done. So it can be very difficult because what will happen is there's squabbling with <laughs> with what's supposed to be done, what shouldn't be, you know, what the lender wants done versus what you want done um, and what the contractor will do with 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 what they're being paid. So they're very tough in that you don't actually get to live or move into the house or like it's not, you don't have possession until the work is complete. Um, so they're, they're tough. Yeah. They're, <laughs> uh, they're not, they're not what you would think that you could just, you know, get this money to spend on repairing these things. That's not how it works at all. Yeah, I've done a couple of these before. And I mean, my advice to everyone that does it is, okay, well, you're going to cry at least once. Like, are you sure? Because yeah. this is going to be a, this is going to be a long haul. We're probably yeah. looking about six months out before we're ready to. Six months is pretty standard, I'd say, for one of those. So if you're in a position where you need to move or live or something like that's if that is not the loan for you. Um, yeah, you got to have some some real patience. <laughs> <laughs> to get through those. Absolutely. Would yeah. you say like the, the interest rates though and like costs and all that for doing the loan is pretty similar for um 
Typically, um, they're pretty similar because it is, you know, I mean, it's still it's still an FHA loan, and so they will be rather similar to what you know, what you would get for an, just a, just your standard FHA loan. Got it. Okay, so not a whole lot of differences there. Mm -hmm. You're going to have some kind of budget built into the loan for the, the renovation right. and the work is going to be done before you get possession in your right. if you happen to be handy awesome that can be applicable here though <laughs> right yeah yeah you cannot you cannot do the work <laughs> which is what a lot of people want to do you know with a fixer upper you want to get in there and use your hands and do it you know save a buck there but that's just not part of the deal Yep. I mean, believe me, I've, uh, yep. Seen that before. Mm -hmm. All right. Coming in from Mr. Steve again, any thoughts on USDA loans? This is uh this is another one I've heard, heard quite a bit about recently. Um, you know, a lot of folks that are looking for some more, uh, more rural, I'm not going to say off grid. Ah, dang it. I just said off grid. Okay. <laughs> They're great. Looking... Oh, awesome. Love them. <laughs> But no, you get just, a lot of these, a lot of these more remote properties. So, you know, what are your thoughts on USDA loans? Um, I think it's a great loan program. Personally, I uh, I appreciate what it does and uh, for people, it's a zero down program, um, which is amazing. Um, and all of the valley qualifies. So anywhere in the Matt Valley is gets the thumbs up from USDA. Um, there's uh, properties. In and around North Pole, I know that qualify and basically, you know, any, anything in Anchorage, absolutely not. Eagle River, absolutely not. In Fairbanks proper, absolutely not. But kind of outside of that, you could probably, it's probably a, a USDA qualified um, property. Um, these are difficult in that they have income restrictions. So you can't make too much money um, to qualify. And that those are based on, the income levels are based on the entire household. So whoever's in there. So even if, you know, your wife or your husband or whoever is not going to be on the loan, we still have to count their income as part of qualifying for the USDA program. So they scoop up, they add up all the monies you could potentially make, your dividends, your kids' dividends, you know, any kind of a little small, they want to look at your tax returns, they scan it looking for businesses, you know, things that you could potentially be making money and they want the whole household. So if you've got your, your, you know, your uncle that lives with you and he has a job, guess what? His income's counted too. So um, they're difficult in that aspect. They have a very low um, debt to income threshold a lot, like a, a, that they allow. They're not as high as, as any other loan program. They are the lowest. Um, so you can't make too much money, but you have to make enough to have a low debt to income. So they can be tough in that respect, but for the right person, you know, a zero down program may, ha, has gotten people into homes that otherwise couldn't. This really sounds like a Goldilocks kind of a loan. Yeah, it is. You got to be just right. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, Man, yeah, that's that's I was definitely wondering. It's like, you know, zero percent down. It's like, oh shoot, why aren't we all doing USDA loans? Oh yeah, that's why. <laughs> yeah, not everybody qualifies, you know, it's kind of tough. Um uh, uh, what are um what are like the, the income shutoffs? Like at what point do you make too much and they're they're gonna kick you out to another loan type? It depends 
on how many is in your family. So there's different thresholds for, um, for how many people are there in your family. I want to say for two people, I don't think you can make more than I want. Don't quote me on this. It's, it's around 120 ish. Something like that. Sounds about, feels about right for the year, 120 K for the year. Um, as you increase the number of people, that number gets bigger on what you can make. And so you just need to be under that. So for example, somebody with a, a couple or whatever, with a lot of kids, they, they have an easier time because they have a higher, um, per person, you know, income allowance. Gotcha. So for a lot of people, it's either make less money or have more kids. Those are the, <laughs> those are the options that are on the table. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Outstanding. So let me, uh, let me jump over to a question real quick here from Tanya, which guys, thanks. Thanks for the questions. Keep them coming in here. Um, another question from Tanya, um, in your experience, are appraisers fair and diligent in Alaska, or are they just making a paycheck and appraising at whatever the contract price is? Um, I'll go ahead and answer this first and Melissa, I'll let you jump in. Sure. It's going to really depend on the appraiser. Some of them are really diligent they're really on top of it and they're awesome to work with. And I've got a, mm -hmm. a decent enough relate professional relationship working with them and i've got other people where it's like oh lord <laughs> <laughs> no not this one it's gonna be late <laughs> it's it's gonna be late it's i'm gonna have to probably yeah. call this person and try to use a lot of tactful negotiation to uh mm -hmm. to get them to the the realistic market value based on what the stats are actually showing so it's it's kind of a mixed bag unfortunately there's no free market option to kind of weed out the the incompetence though which yeah guys they are out there um, anyone tough. in the appraisal industry they are out there you get incompetence in every industry um if they were real estate agents the free market economy would weed them out but the way it works with the appraisers though in order to try to well in order to avoid um, a lot of collusion between real estate agents, lenders, and um, and um, appraisers. What they did is they said, okay, we're no longer going to let the lender or the agent go and pick who the appraiser is because if we do that, there's a lot of chance for corruption that the lender requalifies them up to, let's just say, $700,000. Um, the uh, the Agent goes in, makes an offer for seven hundred thousand, and lo and behold, the appraiser just goes in and says, "Yeah, it's worth seven hundred thousand, and everybody rides off into the sun." But that property might not be worth seven hundred thousand, so mm -hmm. that's why they created a, kind of a random selection system where, as soon as, as soon as the the funds are forwarded or advanced to, you know, to get the appraiser underway. Um, then it kind of goes into this random selection, you know, picks one and off we go. Um, yeah. So that's what it's designed to do. Um, yeah. And unfortunately it keeps the, keeps the incompetence in there. Um, the thought is that it definitely keeps the corruption out too. So, you know, it's not, you hear me complaining on here, but you know, it's, it's not all, not it's all free. bad either. It's, I see the logic. It's for your protection. It's for the, the buyer's protection. Um, 
to have impartiality from and not no influence by realtor or lender. You know, um, when we order appraisals for people, it goes through, it's a completely different company. It's a third party appraisal management company and they order, you know, they just pick like, like Jamin said, just uh, <laughs> whoever's available and, and can take the order. And it's a, it's a random, it's a grab bag. You just don't know who you're going to get. Um, and you know, it should be that way. I think, I mean, I don't like it either. Honestly, <laughs> I wish that I could get rid of some of them, but it needs to be that way to keep things fair and to protect the, the consumer out there and make sure they're not getting swindled. Yeah. I mean, really best case scenario. I wish we could just live in an honest world where the appraiser right. is going to do their job and, and we're not going you know, and, to, and we're, yeah. And, and everything, everyone's just going to do what they're supposed to do. But, you know, unfortunately that's not where we live. So <laughs> that's, that's where we're at. Um, I'll <laughs> also say, if you are looking at doing anything in real estate in Alaska, but the uh, the lending option, the real estate agent option, aka real estate licensees, as they are legally called up here in Alaska, if that's not really your cup of tea, you might want to check out being an appraiser because it's not a very big, not a very big pool, and um, there's always going to be plenty of almost guaranteed work for you. So yeah. there you go. Definitely. Definitely a need for more appraisers in this entire state. <laughs> yeah, well, the way the system is set up, and I've talked with people before, is the way the, the system oh, is set up with the appraisers is it's just very difficult to get new, fresh blood in. It and is. So, yeah, yeah we, we've just got like this aging mm -hmm. appraisal yeah. industry workforce. <laughs> the, appra uh, the apprenticeship requirements for appraisers up here is some of the like just most ridiculous of, of anywhere they have to i believe they have to be an apprentice for i think two years so they have to you know follow around somebody um who they're go who's going to be their direct competition right so like who wants to train somebody to be their you know their competitor you know you have to <laughs> yeah <laughs> Unless it's like a family member or right. something like that. That's where, but... that's where you see the generational like appraisers because that, that makes sense. It stays in the family, but it's a, it's a tough industry to break into. And, and because of that, yeah, we have an aging <laughs> appraisal population, appraiser population and it makes it tough. Yep. Sometimes we'll get that property that has a million stairs on it. And it's like, Brenda, you, uh, <laughs> Yeah, you might want to might want to stretch before you do this one. It's uh, you're gonna get a workout today. <laughs> yeah, but as far as the mean, fair, and diligent, I mean, I think I like to think that people put their best foot forward, and I, you know, I have. It's it's all it's all we have. You know, we have to take their report. So. Yeah, and very very rarely. Okay, I've had this happen once. Mm -hmm. Okay, but very rarely if something comes back and it's just obvious that the uh, the appraiser is off for some reason like they they miss something then agent can very tactfully you know go and talk with them you do not call them out in some big grandiose gesture mm -hmm. call them an idiot blah 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 no you very tactfully go talk to just them one-on-one -on -one. <laughs> yeah and sometimes you can get them to adjust their opinion based on the the new data you've been able to bring to them i have actually done this before and ended up netting my sellers an additional twenty thousand dollars just because that's 
what the market value was. Right. But that's that's not normal. Um, you get a handful of those every year. I was just lucky that mine happened to work. Yeah, you can challenge what an appraiser says um, if you bring good comparables and and you know um, can if you can win. Those are those are tough wins though. Really, really tough wins. Yeah, indeed. Well, Tanya, you have really triggered the uh, the real estate professionals here. So I'm going to go ahead and move <laughs> on to a new topic. Okay, so let's let's talk about this real quick. Quick then, <laughs> when does it make more sense to buy versus to rent, in your opinion? And we've obviously got the graphs and everything here, but um, yeah, do you want to talk about it first and then dive into those? Sure. I mean. You know, typically, typically, if it's going to be a short term kind of a situation, you know, two years or so, um, and you know you're not going to be there anymore, um, and you don't want to rent it out, and you don't want to, you know, I don't know, be in the state or pass the house on to somebody else or some, something, you know, because I feel like there's so much you can do with it, even if you aren't going to be here for two, you know, in, in a couple years, rent that sucker out, you know, <laughs> make some passive income on the side. But um, if it's short term and you know you're leaving, it might be a better idea to, to rent just because the upfront costs, the closing costs, and then to sell the, the, the place, you know, you might not come out ahead. Um, right. But I, Is it, I mean, it does cost money to actually sell a house and that's something I don't think a whole lot of people exactly. realize. You're paying, you're paying to get in and you're paying to get out too. And so it needs to make sense in that aspect of looking at what those costs are and, you know, how long it'll take, it'll take you to break even if you're, if you were to just rent instead. Right. So let's, let's go and take a look at them at a couple of graphs here real quick then. Just kind of illustrate uh, what Melissa is talking about. So, can you kind of kind of explain the uh, the scenario we have in scenario one? Yeah. So this one is is like the worst the worst potential case. So this one is assuming that your rent never goes up, right? Which, yeah. Which, which we know that that's up. total yeah. baloney, right? Yeah. I, I um, think it's gone up about usually around like 10, 11, 12% year over year. Mm -hmm. So this is your, Alaska. your rent yeah. is the same. Your rent is, this is, this is, this whole thing is based on a $330,000 house, right? So we're probably looking at, you know, a, a, a modest three bedroom, two bath home, right? And what those rent for here in, in Anchorage, I mean, the cheapest one I saw was, you know, maybe around 2000, but they definitely go up from there. Um, and so, so I'm given worst case scenario here, right? So we've got 2000 in, in rent and that never changes. Um, and then you buy a, or versus buying a $330,000 house. I put it at 7% interest rate, you know, like really high just to give you the worst. Um, and, um, and also that the annual appreciation of the home is only, I think I put it at 3% which Jamin, I know that, you know, it's, it's, it's quite a bit higher than that. Our, our home values have, have increased. I think it was, you said six to 8% typically. 
Yep. I mean, it kind of depends where you're at, but yeah, usually, <laughs> yeah, even more. I mean, if you're in the Matsu, it was up by 15 for a while, but I, right. I'd say across the board, probably about, um, probably about, uh, we'll say seven to about 10% is pretty normal. Right. So this is, this is your rent never goes up and we're in the most sluggish market that has existed up here in a while. So what you're looking at here is your break even point. Um, is in about three years. So, um, and just, you can see that the, the math breakdown there when you buy it, um, that's what you're spending on your, the cash you spend on your mortgage for those, for those three years versus what you spend on your rent. Um, and then if you were to subtract the home value, um, and you know, the, the new home value after three years, appreciating at 3% or a year, which we know it will be more than that. Um, you get rid of the balance of the loan and then the the, the closing cost to sell the house. And you end up spending more um, renting in I the mean, end. And it just yeah. breaks off from there and becomes exponential at that point. Yeah, I mean, there's really no comparison after after year three. And even then, I mean, it's pretty neck and neck like mm -hmm. right up to that point. Right. Um, now, one thing I just want to want to point out to point out to you folks. So that obviously is not going to be including like the, the cost of repairs if something breaks down, like the, you know, you need to have someone come over to take care of the sink. Um, you do mm -hmm. have a little bit more expenses there, but all the variables and factors here have been very, very conservative. So mm -hmm. I, I feel like yeah, yeah, I feel like that's. Um, yeah, I put in a seven percent interest rate. I put in a you know a, a percentage and a half for taxes, which is pretty high. Um, home insurance, thousand dollars a year, and I did include annual costs of about one percent. Um, so those are kind of your repairs and things that you're looking at, um, and then the selling costs at six percent. So. Oh, look at you go! You did get that in there. Yeah, okay, yeah, it's, it's in there, man. <laughs> so, so even then. <laughs> you still, still I stand corrected. Yeah, I stand corrected. It's all in there. <laughs> so proud of you. <laughs> all right. Well, let's take a look at the other graph then. And this, yeah, this one, one's, this, this one's one more is realistic. Yeah, this one's a little more realistic based on what we're actually seeing here on the market. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this one is assuming, even even though, even though it's more realistic, it is still very conservative. Um, I'm assuming that rents go up 2% annually. That is likely very much more. Um, and I'm assuming that your um, value of your property is going up 6% annually. So again, very modest. And you can see you break even right here in year two and um, they shoot off from each other there. And year two, even it's 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 a, a a pretty big difference. You look at what your rent costs are versus your buying there. Um, you know, it's 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 almost immediately <laughs> that you're that you're better off. Yeah, I mean, you know, stuff like this really does make you stop and and kind of think a little bit more in the in the long term. Mm -hmm. Instead of just looking in the, the here and now, um, you and I were talking before that, you know, I know somebody that you know was renting from a um, apartment complex here for about 40 years. So 40 years. 
And unfortunately, after all that time, this guy fell behind on his rent. And because they have to be fair to everybody, they have to treat everybody the same way, even if they've been there 40 years or it's a fair housing violation, they had to evict the guy yeah. when he fell behind on his rent. And I mean, that's heartbreaking because had he bought a property like in Anchorage in the 80s, like he would be, he would be pretty set right now. That thing would be paid off. He could refinance it if he wanted to and pull a bunch of cash out. Mm -hmm. He could you know, sell it, move somewhere else. I mean, oh, it's it, a home know. value alone. I mean, who, yeah, what he could have, you know, what, what he put into it versus what he would have ended up with. It would have just been astronomical. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, so. if you think about, you know, what, what you, what you pay in rent, you're paying a hundred percent, right? A hundred percent rate is what you, is what you, 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 uh, you end up paying, you end up spending versus, you know, a 7% interest rate, which is what I put on this example. Doesn't seem so, so bad when you consider a hundred percent, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, especially when you consider all the, you know, all the tax benefits and everything else mm -hmm. that you get in there too. So it's, yeah, it, yeah, it's really, this system is set up to incentivize home ownership. It is. Now I will say there is a time and a place for renting. And the time and a place is usually where it's going to be very short term or it's going to be some kind of some kind of scenario where you just need a lot of flexibility. Like mm -hmm. Let's say you're moving into an area and you've got some kind of a trial period with your job um, all day as a real estate agent. I'm going to be recommending you rent because you you got no clue, you know, these if during a trial period, if they're going to be sticking with you or not. And. Yeah, I mean, just just stuff like that. It's probably going to be a better idea to rent. Um, if we're looking at just the straight hard numbers, though, it, it's no like it's it's no comparison though. But yeah. very, you know, very small sliver of the time though does renting actually work. And if it does, then I am definitely going to be telling you so because, you know, I really don't like the idea of sticking somebody into a house and then like six months later, they're like, okay, we need to move. And it's like, you may or may not be able to do it. Now I have had some people recently. This is just how crazy the market was there <laughs> for a hot minute. They moved in and then like six months later, not even that, I think it was like four months later, like they were needed to move because of some personal reasons. Like I saw the call coming in and I was like, Oh, something happened with the house. Okay. You know, game face. <laughs> here we go. And it's like, no, we need to move. And uh, they were actually able to sell and still net a profit off of it. Wow. That's crazy. <laughs> so, I mean, that's that's just how crazy, yeah, the appreciation mm -hmm. was there for a while. You know, it's still yeah. not going up quite at that rate, but um, so you can't expect that to, uh, to bail you out every time. But, you know, it's great when it works. Mm hmm all right, let's go ahead and take a question from Tanya real quick here. For someone considering moving to Alaska with a remote job and continuing to work for that remote company, does that affect anything on a local lending side or standard time in job and income? No, it does not. Um, you can absolutely, um, if, you have a if you have remote work and you can do that up here and your pay will not be affected by a move, then yeah, we get to use whatever income it is that you're going to make. Um, absolutely. And that for sure counts as time on the job. 
um, that will count towards your two-year work history. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I deal with a lot of people that work remotely. Um, it's 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 very common, you know, these days for people to be able to work from home or or whatever that they don't they don't have to be in the place where their where their job is. And and uh, in the mortgage world, it's it's seen exactly like that. I well, if if you can live there and do that job, then great. That that counts. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, um, real quick, I think my battery is about to run out on the <laughs> on the uh, camera, like I mentioned before. Um, so I'll let you go ahead and do this. Um, for anyone looking at getting a loan going, what are the the things that they need to need to get together to get a, a, a get going on pre approval? Correct. Yep. Okay. Um, so filling out a loan application is is step number one. Um, that way we can look at what you have going on in your life um, and we can ask for the documents needed accordingly. Typically what these are, are um, if you're a W-2 employee, you, you have, you have you know, a regular job, we will need 30 days worth of pay stubs. We'll need two years of W-2s. Um, if you've changed jobs, then just whatever your W-2s that cover the last two years are. Um, typically we'll need a bank statement a uh, copy of your driver's license, any kind of a um, any kind of a thing in your life that is a liability that won't show up on your credit report. For example, spousal support, child support, things like that. Those don't typically show up on credit reports. And so we'll need copies of any kind of orders that you have for those. Um, if you're self-employed, um, we would need two years of tax returns. If you own rental properties, Definitely two years tax returns. If you own any, uh, if you've got like partnership income, K-1s, business tax returns, pretty basic stuff like that. What mortgages want to look at is your last two years. That's what you got to think about. What have I been doing the last two years as far as work and where I've lived? They just want to see the last two years. Um, so those are the those are the kinds of documents that you would need to gather to, to get yourself pre-approved. Yep. And I mean, it is tax season right now. So mm -hmm. um, we're obviously 2023 right now. Do people need to have all their tax returns done for 2022 or can they do the, the two previous years? Not necessarily. Um, it depends on what we need tax returns for. So um, you, you don't always need to submit your tax returns either. Like I said, if, you're, if your main source of income is a W-2 job, and you don't have any rental in, you know, income or properties, then we would likely never need to look at your tax returns. That's not something we, we would care about. Um, lenders will, if you were using tax return income, they would prefer to see the most recent two years, but you know, you're not supposed, you're, 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 you don't have to have filed them until April. Right. So lenders won't require that they see the most recent year until after April 17th or whatever it is this year. And then they'll say, okay, either you show me an extension or that the taxes that they filed. <laughs> so you don't have to have them done, at least not right now. Um, and if, if we're not using anything from them, then you don't need to have them done at all. 
you know, I mean, go do your taxes. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't, yeah, don't, 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 don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't pay. Don't put it off. Don't put it off. Just, just <laughs> yeah. get it done. Do, like, do, your, do your stuff for sure. But, but from the lending side, the mortgage side, if you don't have any rental or business income, you know, schedule C, schedule E, something like that, then typically we won't need to. Um, the only exceptions to that are when we were talking about USDA loans, they will require you're looking at your tax returns because they want to make sure that you're not making money in any other kind of way. So that's the only loan program that they will see them no matter what. You better be pretty straight laced if you're looking at doing USDA then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No sneaking, no sneaking anything in with them. They'll, they'll sniff it out. <laughs> yep. Indeed. So that's, this is a, actually a good little segue here then. Um, what are some <laughs> sketchy lender practices that you've seen? We're not asking to uh, to call anyone so, out. Um, just the activities, not the people, though. Yeah. Um, I mean, the biggest biggest ones are those closing costs we talked about earlier with um, making up fees to charge um, that aren't real because they just want to get you in with, with that interest rate that you're paying for, right? Um, another practice that I've seen that, is is sketchy and 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 awful truly is where um uh, there's a bait and switch that happens they like to show some kind of an upfront cost estimate or sheet you know and they don't actually lock your loan in they don't get you that rate that they told you you could um the market shifts something happens you end up at closing and all of a sudden your interest rate is so different or there's these massive fees on there out of nowhere and you just want it's to like, close, right? You know, you have your movers set up, like you're ready to move, and it's and like it's like, well, pay thousand dollars in discount points. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We have to pay this, or like you don't get the house, you know. And by that time, you just, you know, you just pay it, right? <laughs> like I've seen, I've seen it. It's it's really sad, you know, because they just end up going well. I have movers scheduled on Friday, you know, <laughs> like I have to be out of my apartment. Um, and so you just, you just sign the thing and, and move on. Um, that's, yeah, that's really sketchy. And, um, I hope that doesn't happen to any of you, but I've seen it sad. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's hope not because they're, um, they're in the right place and they're talking with the right people. So that ain't going to happen to these folks. <laughs> no. All right. So for those of you in the chat section, uh, we've got um, a little bit longer here. So this is kind of your final call. If you have any uh, questions, concerns, this is your chance to, to get them uh, getting questions you have answered by a uh, bona fide um, lender who can actually answer this stuff for you. I can give you general theories and concepts. And this is the person that can actually go in and take a deep dive, though. Sure. So let's ask this then. What do most buyers not know that they don't know about loans and the entire lending process and everything involved? Well, I think I think the biggest thing that I see out there is people disqualify themselves before they've even done anything, right? Let somebody who knows what they're doing, let me take a look at it and I'll tell like I'll tell you if you're qualified or not. Don't think because, you know, you you weren't working here, you know, you had a job gap or you, you know, your credit got destroyed from something like that's 
it may not be as bad as you think. And there are creative solutions and there are different workarounds that we can have to work with a different kind of borrower, right? So, you know, there, there are some low credit options. There are, you know, different programs that, that allow some things and some, some of them don't as far as, you know, job history or how we can use your income. Um, and so I think the biggest misconception is people think because of, you know, they, they think that there's one of these things that, that makes them not qualify. And maybe you do, you know, you just don't know unless you try. So um, have it looked at by somebody who knows what they're doing. And if there's a, if, for me, I mean, if there's a way we can do it, we will. Or at least from that point forward, like I was saying before, now we have a plan to get you there. You know, you know, don't discount yourself before, you know, you've even had anything looked at. Um, yeah, because there's there's a lot of really cool things out there that um, that, you know, you may you just you just don't know until you try. You know, I mean, one thing I would kind of add to that once you're kind of in the mix and you're doing a lot of the, you know, doing some stuff with loans you'll come to find out there are a million variables and it seems mm -hmm. like, you know, it kind of, it kind of feels like after a while that, you know, they're just there to like, you know, to be the ruler wrapping across your knuckles every couple seconds with this new variable, but those variables can also come in clutch because sometimes you can kind of pull a lever kind of one way a little mm -hmm. bit and it actually works to your benefit. So there's exactly. a ton of variables. Some of them work against you some of them can be manipulated to work for you. So it, it's really just about who you know and can actually work the system really well yeah. for you. Yep, it's a puzzle, you know, you just have to find the right way it fits um, for, for you, you know. Um, there, everybody has a, a whole different, you know, thing that's happened in, in their life. And um, I like to say, you know, I don't really turn anybody away, I just say like, not yet. You know, we'll, we have a plan at least going forward to make home, home ownership possible for you eventually if you do these, you know, these things. Uh, I, I, you know, I've seen some pretty cool things where lenders had told people no and they came to me and I was like, oh, yeah, we just got to do, you know, manipulate this and this and that. And uh, and it worked and they, they're in a house, you know, <laughs> like they, they have a home. So yeah. don't discount yourself before. Let 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 me take a look. <laughs> yeah, don't don't give up until the lender gives up. You're yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, there's there's a there's a loan program out there for you somewhere. You just gotta find the so, one that fits. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So when is the best time to talk with a loan officer or a loan broker? ASAP. <laughs> yeah, right away. I mean, I can't stress that enough. That really it doesn't. It doesn't cost you anything other than your time, um, but you know we can we can help plan your life, right? I mean these are these are big big things and big topics we're talking about, and um, we can help you get into you know a better situation for your family and and financially to you know even build a a, a portfolio of real estate that maybe you didn't think you could, but maybe you can, you know. Um, so getting in and, and, and getting getting with us right away is the best thing you can do because you can absolutely have, you know, get that plan in place. And when the right house comes up, you are ready. 
Yeah, there's really no disadvantage to, to talking with a lender earlier. Yeah, earlier in the process than than you might think. Um, one question I did have, I think there is a lot of um, kind of misconception going around on on um, people having dings on their credit mm -hmm. with uh, with lenders uh, pulling the credit and taking a look at it. When does that happen? And is it something they need to worry about if they're getting pre-approved? So, yeah, there. this is a, a thing that is brought up a lot. Um, people are concerned about having their credit pulled just in general because there is a lot of misconception about how how horrible it is. Like, don't look at the credit, you know, <laughs> everyone wants to hide from it. You need to look at it. Like, you need to look at your, your credit from time to time and, and make sure that, you know, that things are okay with it. Um, I will say that when we pull credit, it is coded differently than, for example, a consumer debt pull, right? These are mm. much different. This is a mortgage pull. And so the the impact it's less impactful than a consumer debt than if you're going to, you know, open a Home Depot card or whatever. This is a mortgage pull. And you can and you can get as many of these as you want within a window. I think it's about 45 days. You can pull, 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 and it only counts as one. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, and I have not seen it do too much damage to people's credit, if I'm honest with you, where I have pulled and then they didn't find a house and decided to wait a little while and came back and I pulled it again. And it was like the credit was exactly this, you know, exactly the same. It, it didn't, it hadn't been affected at all. And we need to do a pull to, to pre-approve you properly. Um, so just know going in that that is something that we will need to do. I can take a look at your stuff without pulling your credit, but I can't give you a full, you know, real answer without having those scores and taking a look at what, what you got going on in there, you know? Yeah. So when there's, um, uh, so if there is a ding on the credit, like how much of a ding would it usually be? Because I've, I mean, I mean I've a had... couple points. Okay, because I've had some people, they're like, oh, my credit score dropped by like 40 points. It's like, I, I think you probably had some other stuff going on. Yeah, it's not going to be that kind of drastic of a, of a ding, just, just in a general sense. Something, something like that is, is something bigger going on on your credit report. You know, a credit inquiry and a hard pull um, for shopping for a mortgage is not a detriment to your score. Right. I mean, it's it's, not, well, it's probably going to make up for it by like the end of the, the buying right. process. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. When you think about the two or three points you could potentially potentially lose, um, it's really not not that big in the big scheme of things. That and losing a couple points is not usually a deal breaker for us either to be able to qualify you. So, yeah. Huh. So don't be scared. Don't be scared. You got, you got to look at your credit sometimes. You got to see what's going on in there. And that way we can help you move forward and, 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 and make it better, you know, yep. and we can have a plan to make it look better if it's not good, but I got to, but I got to look in to see, you know, where you're at. And that's the whole point of pre-approval is it's your picture of where you are right now and what we can do. Mm -hmm. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Well, Melissa, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap it up then. I do really appreciate you, you um, spending some time and kind of talking with us about this. Um, I know yeah. this, um, it's, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to acknowledge it. Um, usually loans are not the most riveting, most interesting topic <laughs> in the world. 
people would much rather talk about, you know, what it's like living in Alaska and <laughs> like all the, the fun stuff we do up here. I know where I stand. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's got to love doing it. It's me. It's okay, guys. I'll, I'll, I'll have fun digging around in all your stuff. <laughs> Yeah, but I do appreciate it. This stuff is really important and you have to get this stuff done because if you don't, your house is not going to be in order and you're not going to be able to go enjoy your time doing that stuff because you're um, you're going to be a um, working to overcome a lot of stuff you could have avoided. So, mm-hmm. yep, so that I, preparation is key. Indeed. So I'll go ahead and put a link. Um, I'll go ahead and put a link in the... Um, in the description section uh, with the best way for people to reach out to you. Um, if you can go ahead and um, if you go ahead and send me um, yeah, best link for me to, uh, for me yeah. to put in there, yeah, we'll go ahead and get that done. But other than that, you know, thank you everyone. And um, you, know, you know where to find us if you have questions. Yeah. Heck yeah. Thanks for having me, Damon. Oh,